0: Welcome to the Color and Photography Podcast. Our guest today is Carla Gachette, a native of Quito, Ecuador. Her work has been published in National Geographic Magazine, Smithsonian, and the New York Times. She has published two books, Historias Minimas, From Ecuador to Tierra del Fuego, which is a culmination of 14 photo stories exploring the diverse culture of five countries in South America, and Gypsy Kings, which documents the gypsy millionaires of Romania, both created with her husband, Ivan Kaczynski, also a photographer. She was the first female photographer for Diarro El Comercio, the national newspaper of Ecuador. Gachette's work has been honored in competitions such as World Press Photo, Pictures of the Year, Best of Photojournalism, and POYI Latin America. Her photographs have been exhibited in London, Guatemala, India, China, Ecuador, and the U.S., Along with her husband, Ivan, she co-founded the photo collective Runo Photos, and one of her greatest accomplishments thus far has been as a mother of two boys who now become subjects in front of her lens. Please welcome Carla Gachette. Hi, Carla. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good. How's your day been going? It's been pretty good. Thank you for having me. Great. Thanks for coming on. Um, Can you tell the listeners about how you got started in photography?
1: Sure. So, um, I was going to school for art and graphic design. That's how it all started. I I grew up in Ecuador, but I came up to the U S for college because my sister lived in the, in the Bay area and I was attending a junior college and I, I was always very attracted to art and design. And, um, I, I took a lot of art classes and I, I thought my path was, you know, going into graphic design and I really liked it. Um, until one day when I, I had already transferred to San Jose State and I heard a photographer do a talk and he was a photojournalist. And it just blew my mind. The fact that this was even a thing. Like I had no idea that that could be a major or a profession. Um, and it was everything that I had hoped for because you know, I, I love the whole visual part of graphic design, but I always wanted to do something more social, something that was more in the lines of communication. Um, I always liked writing, but I had no idea that I could combine this, this two, um, this two things. So um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. You know, I saw this guy who showed all this work, and the images were so um, th- they impacted me so much that um, I had never even owned a camera. But I think that day I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life.
0: So you went out and got a
1: camera. I went out. I remember that I used to work at Chili's, (laughs) and I had this friend that worked at Chili's, and I told, and he was a photography major, and I told him that I was thinking about, you know, taking some photography classes. And I remember he sold me his this Minolta. It was like a manual Minolta, and that was my first camera, and I had no idea how to use it. But, um, you know, people at school helped me out. And, yeah, it was, you know, it was really, really bad at first. I had no idea how bad (laughs) I was, but I was really bad. Um, But, you know, I loved it, and I was so inspired by it that that I just, you know, I just kept on doing it for many, many years until it kind of started working for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's, like, one of the things I was – when I was a teacher in grad school, like I wanted to tell my students, you know, your photos are going to suck in the beginning. Like that's just a given. Uh And I had a lot of people tell me like, don't say that to them. You know, you're going to, you're going to ruin their, their, their self-esteem. And I was like, but no, like I was terrible when I started too. like, that's, that's how everyone starts. You're terrible in the beginning and you learn to get better. Like that's the part that you have to understand. You have to learn Uh and, uh, Yeah, it's funny to hear you say that you're terrible. I always thought you were a great photographer. (laughs) Yeah, and you
1: know what, too? I feel like like you... Like I remember, photographers that I used to look up to when I started, um, you know, in like PJ One and stuff like that, and like it was very like AP style photography, like very newspaper, you know, oriented yeah. photography. And I love that. That was like, I was like, oh my god, that's all I wanted, you know, to like get to be a newspaper photographer. And that kind of changed over the years, you know, like. Um, I, I started looking at other people's stuff, people who were like not working at newspapers and doing like more in-depth photography, uh, people who are very artsy with their photography. So it's been like a long process to where I am right now. Like I think I've like, you know, changed like just styles and like approaches to the photography like a million times, you know, because it feels like yeah. like you always keep growing. You You know, it always kind of keeps on morphing.
0: Yeah, I think that's like for for anything in in the arts careers, it, you have to always be open to learning new things and changing and evolving. Otherwise, it, it becomes uh, redundant and uh, boring.
1: Uh-huh. True.
0: So, w- when you graduated, was it your plan to go back to Ecuador, or you you that was. Uh, what was the intention there?
1: So when I graduate, I, I always I always wanted to go back home anyway because I was very homesick. I missed my friends. I missed um, I missed my family. Uh, my sister was here, but you know i I have very strong attachments to my country and to South America. It's it's where I'm from. It's what I understand. Um, you know, you can adapt to other places, but your it's like your land always kind of pulls you back. So. As yeah. soon as, as soon as I was done, I knew that I was out of here. I was like, bye, I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna go I wanted to go work in Ecuador. Um mm-hmm. and I was on a student visa, so I had to leave anyway. So um, you know, I, I yeah. went back and by this time I had met Ivan and yeah, mm-hmm. we both went back. He wanted to do he was doing his um thesis project for for mass communications on the indigenous fiestas of ecuador and i was like sure why not let's go so we went back to ecuador and yeah we you know next thing you know we stayed there for 12 years working working in south america yeah
0: oh my god so you um you ended up working for a while at diario el comercio and you were like the the first female staff photographer what was that like was it was a challenge to, for them to accept you or? Yeah. You know, when I first got to Ecuador, I had, I didn't realize how
1: hard it was going to be for me to get into a newspaper because, um, well, first of all, they, you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was like the guys club. It was all men Mm -hmm. in all the newspapers. And um, you know, El Comercio was the best newspaper. So they, they wouldn't even take interns. Like, they handpicked interns, you know, friends of friends. It was very, like, it was kind of a closed society, <laughs> you could say. So I tried a few times to, like, hand people my portfolio. And, you know, I was very, like, I went to school here. So I had no idea how things worked over there. I, I, I assumed it all works the same. So it's like, okay, I'll do my portfolio. And, like, I'll, I'll send it to all these editors. I don't think anybody ever looked at my portfolio. Like, it's just not the way it works over there, you know. It's more word of mouth and like who you know so um why i you know i i gave my my cd with my portfolio to to this guy and i was like please just put it in the right hands, you know, and he was like, okay, I'll try. Nobody gave me the time of day. And then, um, I think they were missing photographers. Something happened. Somebody quit. Somebody like by chance found my name and they called me and I was like, yep, I'm available. And I came in and the, the main, the main editor was on vacation. So he didn't know that they had hired me. And so, um, you know, the first days, uh, I, they were like, the first day there was a fire. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. I was like, oh my God, I burned my shoes. It was crazy. So the first days were kind of crazy. And then the main editor came back and he was this older guy who had been there for ages, you know, just sort of like a make it, made a profession there. Um, and when he saw me, he was very pissed that they had hired a girl. And he told me, um, like straight up, never even like wanted to know anything about me. He just said, um, "Here, you need to know. You need to know how to shoot soccer, and that's all I care about. So unless you don't, you know how to do that, I, I want you out of here." I was like, okay. "Okay." I was like, "All right then. Nice to meet you too." So it was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be weird." Like these people are like. It was super about sports, and like you know, I was never like a like that was never like my my strength, <laughs> you know, sports. I was like, yeah. oh my god, this is so scary. Um, but the guys who worked for the there was a staff of like ten photographers, and you know, everybody teased me. Everybody called me the intern, and you know, I, I got used to it and like made friends with them. And like, they were really good people, you know they They kind of showed me the ropes, and like, I was so this was like my first real newspaper photographer I had entered in other places and stuff but this was like the real thing so um so I was very scared of approaching people or like if I was at like at a soccer game to like get to where I needed to be I was like so like you know just intimidated and this guy is just like you know taught me the ropes like they're like you gotta get in there you you can't be scared and like just you know just be yourself and like you know you're gonna be fine anyway so um I became really good friends with all the other photographers I mean my best friends worked at that newspaper and they're still my best friends it's it became this like amazing learning experience for me and that you know the editors never liked me they never did um (laughs) They they always had problems with my photos. Uh, they had this very square idea of what something should be like. So if I ever, you know, if I ever went outside of that, they, you know, I would get in so much trouble, like, all the time. I would get written up all the time. It was like people were getting sick of me because I was just, like, trying to push it. And, like, they didn't like that. So um, They would
0: write you up for not photographing things they were write me, the me up they were
1: write me up for everything it was like you know I always got like talked to about you know my them, this main editor he was like you know we're not paying you to think we're paying you to do as you're told so oh that was like a big blow to me because I was like you know used to like always trying to come up with something like different you know and and newspaper mm-hmm. photographer is not always like that um especially in Ecuador, it wasn't like that back in the day. It was like, you need to follow the formula. Like they showed you pictures and asked you to copy the picture. Like we need you to do this, like exactly the same. And you're like, what? Oh. Yeah. So it was crazy. It was really crazy. Um, And then towards I was only there for two years and there were two long, long years of my life. Like, <laughs> it was just very brutal. Like, you know, um, I never really felt like, I you know, I was going anywhere because I was, you know, yeah. letting my editors down every day. So um one day they did like a, they did like a, they wanted to do a book of all the photographs for that year of the photographers or the last two years or something like that. And they brought in an editor from outside to edit and like, I got so much play in that book that like, it kind of, it was like, oh my God, like, and it was all pictures that had never been published. You know, it was all like my favorites that like, you know, nobody ever looked at. And um, it was awesome because, you know, I was kind of like, yay, you know, I'm not all wrong. And, um, and yeah, and then, you know, I learned a lot in that place that I made my, my real portfolio. I made it like when I was working at, At the newspaper, because you you shoot every single day, you know, you shoot every day, like, sometimes we used to have like 10 assignments. It was like, brutal. It was like, oh, yeah, they had
0: so many sections and like products and like, so, yeah. So deciding to go freelance probably wasn't a no brainer. It was like an eventual choice to, to leave.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, usually people don't leave newspaper jobs because there's so little job out, like, so little work out there that, like, it's kind of like having a staff job is such a security that nobody used to leave, like nobody left, so when I was like, you know what? I am done. I was done because I did not get along with my editors and like, it was starting to get ugly. So I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. Like I didn't want to even touch a camera when I wasn't working because I was so burnt out. And I was like, you know, there's all these things I want to do. And like, I just, I'm going to die in this place, you know, like, it's just Mm -hmm. not what I want to be doing with my time with like my, you know, with my photography, I'm not going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I decided to leave. People told me I was crazy. How could I leave a commercial like that? Was like the best job I could get, and I was like done. And my editors were like, "Bye." <laughs> Nobody really opposed to me leaving. <laughs> so,
0: so did they ever? Did they ever hire another female photographer? Do you know if, if if you your presence there kind of changed the dynamic? They did.
1: They they hired um, since since I was there. They've hired like two other women photographers, um, they both left. And I don't think they, they have, you know, they shrunk their staff. Like there was a huge crisis with all, you know, as, as in anywhere else. So, um, yeah. So now I think it's all guys again. Oh,
0: yeah. So, um, so after that, you, you started that road trip, um, to, that turned into the book of historias minimas from Ecuador to Tierra del Fuego. Um, you did that with your husband, Ivan. Was that an experience? What was that like traveling and capturing parts of South America? Would you do it again?
1: Um, yeah, I would love to do that again. I don't, I don't know when, but someday I would love to do that again. Um, that trip pretty much changed our lives. I think um, you know when I was when I was working at the paper, Ivan um, was freelancing, and like I used to get so jealous because he got to go to places for like you know, a long period of time, like a week, two weeks. And I was like, oh, my God, like I got to, you know, shoot my stories for like an hour if I was lucky. So um, it just kept on making more sense to me that I needed to just break free from that so I could, you know, do my own thing. And freelancing, when you first start freelancing, is so difficult and it's so scary. I mean, it still is, you know, but... But, you know, when you first, like, leave, like, something secure, it's like, oh, my God, like, am I going to make it? Like, am I going to, like, make any money again? Will I ever see myself published again? You know, it comes from, like, seeing your pictures every day in a national newspaper to, like, nothing. Like, you know, it's really hard to sell stuff. Or people would would hire me, like, freelance for, like, a, a day at a newspaper or something. And, like pay me like forty dollars. It was like really bad. Wow. I was like, oh my God, what yeah, it was really, really bad. So um, you know, we always had this this idea of, you know, backpacking South America. That was like our thing. Like, oh let's backpack South America. When we um when we got married, we kind of backpacked um Uruguay and Brazil. And it was really, really amazing. So we kinda wanted to do that like on like long term, like go for months. So um we, uh, we, you know, we, we kind of made a plan and we wrote a proposal and we did two pilot stories to try to sell it to this editorial that Ivan had, um, he had been in contact with and working for them and they own a magazine, they own a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, we went and talked to them and they liked the project and, uh, you know, this re- this usually doesn't happen. Like when, when we tell people that this happened to us, it's like, what, somebody paid for you to travel and publish the book. It's like wow. unknown, unheard of. It's very, very, very like weird that it would happen. Um, but this people wanted a, a book to give to their VIP clients. Cause they also, they own banks. They, they're like a huge company in Ecuador. Wow. So they wanted to give like, like Christmas, like a Christmas photo book to their VIP clients. And we kind of fit what they kind of wanted. And they're like sure we'll pay for your trip so and you know the fact that Ivan was American and that he was kind of well known and kind of famous in Ecuador that helped too because if I would have gone with a proposal I would have never gotten money from these people so
0: really yeah. so like it, oh back, yeah like wow so he had already established his his name in the in the photo world is that how it worked or yeah was, wow
1: yeah he did because he was freelancing for two years and you um, know photography in ecuador wasn't that developed back then it was very everybody was doing kind of like the same like you know the same thing like nobody was was doing anything different so ivan comes you know you know ivan yeah. <laughs> you, you met him in <laughs> super super determined and like you know, he was like gonna make it no matter what. Like Ivan yeah. was determined, you know. So he went to Ecuador and like just started doing all kinds of jobs for all kinds of people. And like people started to know. in this, you know, this this gringo who comes and like <laughs> starts shooting like beautiful pictures of like you know indigenous fiestas and like um, yeah, he started. You know, people he was he was very well known. So. Because of that we were able to get this deal and like wow. travel South America. Yeah. So that was that was that was cool, you know, we got a break there. And um it took us like seven months to we went in this Jeep that we had and we traveled down um Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina. And mm-hmm. it was amazing. It was like seriously life changing, like everything we saw, everything all the people we met, you know, just you know, everybody was like, no, you guys shouldn't do that. It's super dangerous. Like, nobody travels in car, like, by car uh, for so long in South America. You're going to get mugged and this and that. And, like, nothing ever happened to us. Like, wow. the only, da- yeah, the, the only dangers we encountered were in the big cities. And that was, you know, it was nothing. Like, for seven months, it was fine. Like, nothing yeah. ever happened to us. So. Wow, so that was I feel nice like too, in you know? contrast
0: to today, people stick to the cities and they stay away from the rural areas because they think it's safer.
1: Right. I I think it's the opposite. Everything I've seen through my life, it's always the opposite. Little mm-hmm. towns, I kind of you know even you know we 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 go to Baja a lot, and Baja is is you know like. It's part of Mexico, and you know Mexico is so dangerous to travel around today. And you yeah. know we're we're worried about that because we travel with our kids, so um we try to like always ask and like be informed and like be careful and not travel at night and like you know. But you go to the little towns and it's fine; it's like nothing. It's always near the cities. Like everything, crime it seems like it all you know it all goes to the cities. It's never in the mm-hmm. rural areas.
0: Wow, yeah, I traveled yeah. um for a friend's wedding in into Mexico, and we stayed in Mexico City for the afternoon, but then we traveled to Cuernavaca afterwards uh-huh. and then uh the honeymoon was like in Oaxaca, but like on the way okay. there we, we would stop like on the side of the road and and you know have have food where our food was walking around the little chickens were basically our dinner and. <laughs> right. uh, it felt, it felt pretty safe, but I was always warned, like, you know, if we get stopped, pull out your passport, like, you know, be careful. And I'm like, oh, but it was pretty, I never, you know, I was, there was the inference of fear, but, but this was like 10 years ago, but like, I still felt like pretty safe and I didn't, I didn't have that any issues. So it's, it's sad to, to hear stories about how dangerous Mexico has become.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the most trouble we ever had with was the cops and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's the same everywhere we go. Like, it's like, beware of the cops. Cause they're going to try to get some money from you if they see that you're not from around, you know? Yeah. So, um, we always had, you know, we always had kind of like issues with cops near cities. <laughs> yeah, It's like, when we, we're like getting to a city where like, Oh, here we go. You know, they're going to stop us. They're going to try to mess with us.
0: <laughs> um, so- Ivan doesn't talk. You talk
1: <laughs> um usually yeah usually that's the way it goes it's like okay I'll, I'll, I'll talk you know and I'll you know but yeah now it, it's it's interesting because since we travel with our kids now when we travel together they just let us go <laughs> it's like they Aww. see the kids and they just let us go so that's kind of nice it's wow. like oh they have a heart <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> at least <laughs> so so being married to a photographer is there competition or is it equal partnership like, was it, how has it
1: been? Um, you know, I think before there used to be a lot of competition. Um, I remember when, like, when we first got out of college and it, there's always been competition. And I think it's it's been very healthy for us to have that competition because, especially when we're working together, it's like we're always pushing pushing ourselves to, you know, meet meet the goal (laughs) or like you know just you know it's like oh my god we're making a book so like I want as many as my pictures to be in it in the book as Ivan so like I need to push really hard because I know he's going to push super hard so um it's always been good you know and if, if we've worked on stories together we've worked on um we worked on stories for Nat Geo and there's there's so much pressure you know and like so much stress and like it's been like you know pushing as hard as you can. And um, I think it's always been really good to have, to have that, that competition and also to have each other to just help edit, you know, Um, we get like so attached to our pictures and like you, you just like, you need somebody else to look at them. So we're super brutally honest with each other. You know, I edit Ivan, he gets mad, but then yeah. he's like, oh, you're right. the same, same thing the other way around. I'm like, oh no, you just don't understand, you know? And he's yeah. like, it's not a good picture. And I'm like, you just don't get it. And it's like, he's right, you know? So um, that's that's been like, we've been super fortunate to have each other to like, you know, be the voice of reason and like edit and like, if we're working together, it's, you know, it's been really nice to like know that, he has his strengths. I have my strengths and like, we're kind of telling this story like through two points of view and, mm-hmm. you know, our styles are, 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 are kind of similar. So it's it, it, the ending product has always been very cohesive. So mm-hmm. that's been kind of nice. Um, I think lately, like after I had kids, I kind of slow down because yeah. physically it's impossible for me to like push as hard as we had been pushing for years. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, you know, I don't feel that competitive anymore, you know. I feel like I do as much as I can, and I'm very happy with that. Um, Obviously, like, you know, if you're doing a story, you always want it to be, like, the best quality. Like, you know, that's never going to change. But just, like, the amount of work or, like, if somebody calls me for a job, you know, sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? It's like a crazy, like, you know, like what am I gonna do with the kids and this and that it's just like logistically it becomes like difficult you know it's like when Ivan gets a job it's like oh good he's gonna go do it you know Mm um I I think that's just the truth about my life right now because I have two little kids and you know eventually they'll grow and it'll be different but so far like you know my youngest one is two and a half so I'm just getting out of like the craziness, like, you know, he's starting to be more independent. Mm -hmm. He's going to start going to preschool and that's going to open like crazy
0: amount of hours in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. to like start, start again. And like kind of start pushing again. Do you already have like a list of projects that you, once he goes to school that you're going to try to start working on?
1: Um, I don't know if I have a list, but you know, there's, there's things that I want to do. There's things that I want to finish. Um, I left a lot of things kind of hanging, and they've been hanging for years because, mm-hmm. you know, I just, it's not just that I don't have the time. It's like my head is, yeah my head has been like with these kids for these years, you know, and I have no regrets about it. I love to be with them. I love that I have been able to like witness their childhood, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard. It's hard to switch modes and just like, you know. Turn into like, like, oh, like you know, I'm just gonna do this and like only think about this for days, or like, you know, go to go to somebody's house like as soon as they wake up and stay as long as yeah. you know, as, as late as I can. It's like that changes, you know. Yeah. That changes when there's people waiting for you at home, you know. Um, at least for now, you know, it's like it's like kind of like a it's a thin line that we walk, you know. And I'm lucky because. We both freelance, so Ivan has definitely like stepped up and like if I have jobs, he watches the boys, and they're old enough that like you know they're fine, <laughs> they're fine yeah. with, with their dad, and they're they you know, and so you know it's nice because Ivan has been super involved in you know racing them as much as I have, um, almost as much, but um,
0: you know, so in a way, like it's good. freelancing. Has sort of been a gift to parenthood because you you are in control of your schedules and so you decide to be there for them more than uh, without them or
1: away from them yeah yeah absolutely i think freelancing has been a blessing to both of us and you know somehow we make it work um there we've always had work you know um it's it's like it always comes it always happens and like even when i've been like oh my god i can't do this photography thing anymore like i'm tired you know i i i feel like burnt out and then something else comes up and like i have so much fun doing it And <laughs> it's like okay maybe i'm not done it's like it's always pulling me back you know if, if you know even if if it's not directly photographing but like editing i've been like editing stuff and like I just love it. You know, like I love, I still love it. And, um, you know, like we were talking about, sometimes you do something for so long that it starts becoming like kind of repetitive and you kind of get bored with some stuff that you were doing for so long. So it's nice to just, you know, for me, it's been nice to take a step back back and like take a breather and like raise this voice, you know, for these years. And like just see where I'm going to go from here now because I know I'm a different person. It's yeah. changed me, this, this motherhood thing. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: For sure.
0: So with um, with your photography, do you, do you see it as like a preservation method to prevent the loss of culture and nationality that tends to disappear over time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's definitely that. You know, I always feel like, and we always talk about it with Ivan, like there's a lot of things that we have photographed that are probably like not happening anymore. You know, it's like, like globalization is so, it's so happens so fast. And it's so aggressive, you know, that there's all these people that are, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways. There's a lot of people who are losing their culture. Um, there's been also a lot of revival, I feel, of like ancient cultures with the youth, with like, you know, younger people. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it, it's not like a black and white, you know, um, but I love the fact that we get to document that, you know, and, um, you know, I, I love, I love going into a place and like learning everything about it and like photographing and like being a part of it, you know, and like, you know, just having that as sort of like a, like a, um, it's like registering like history, you know, and what happened and what existed and, you know, maybe like, Future generations are going to be like, wow, yeah. I can't believe that was happening, you know, and, and all these crazy things happening in the Andes, like all this syncretism and like, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I really like it. And I love, I li- I love, you know, seeing what other people are doing. It's always amazing to me, like where photographers go, you know, and the stories and it's just like never ending people like people are always producing like really amazing stuff
0: yeah a lot of work that I've seen come out of South America primarily in along the Mexican border. It's always been like violence and drugs and war you your work tends to follow more like a well lit path rather than a darker one is is was this always a conscious choice or like have you ever thought about going into those dangerous areas and documenting that
1: i think maybe before there was this like um this idea uh, you know like oh you know i want to be a war photographer and go into like conflict zones um and i can see why people do it like it's it's really like it is a service to everybody that people have the courage to do that um you know i'm i'm it doesn't pull me as much anymore. Like when I was young, yes, I thought that was like the ultimate calling, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, even before I had kids, like I realized that that really wasn't my calling. Like like something else pulls me harder, you know. Like like everyday lives of people, like like things that seem so common and so, um, you know, it. It's just like finding this like, um, like commonplace in humanity, you know, like finding like how we all kind of intersect and how it all kind of connects and like the beauty of like just, you know, people living everyday life and like, you know, um, I like, I, we I, you know, we started doing a lot of environmental stuff and that's, that to me is very interesting, you know, because it's something that it's hard to, it's hard to tell those stories, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, 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 it gets tricky to, um, just, um, you know, be able to find stories that are not always, like, grim, like, you know, the, the violence and the war and the this and the that. Like, maybe you can tell those, make those same points showing, like, uh, other stuff, you know. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, we've, our, the stories that we've done or that I've done are, like, it's so random. Oh, <laughs> it's yes. not like, oh, I only do this or I only do that, you know. It's like, they've just kind of happened they just going to happen. And, and, usually it's things that you're so interested. You're like, Oh my God, I want to know more Like you keep on like researching more and more because it's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes beyond like, you know, the conflict that's happening right now or like, um, you know, right now there's there, like you were saying there, you know, there's a lot of photography that comes from the border, especially that, you know, about like violence and like death and, you know, um, but in south america right now there's this big movement of like all kinds of photographers like all younger people you know that are doing like amazing stories just about like identity and like you know who we are and we have a voice and we're here and like you know um i think it's so powerful you know it's so powerful that we demystify like a region like oh, that region is, is you know, there's just conflict there or there's just poverty there or there's just whatever, you know, and this is the stereotypes that we have. And, like, there's so much more, you know, so, like, to have all these voices come out and start doing all these, like, amazing stories done in different ways, you know, that like, people are, like, moving away from, like, your typical, like, for journalistic view of things, you know, and, like, doing very artsy, subjective stuff, you know, and, like, I think it's all valid. I think that um, people are finding their voice and... You know, it's refreshing to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Um, so, you work with Panos Pictures. Do they, they help you as a photographer, or how does that work? Are they doing the majority of the legwork? Are they your syndication reps? How does, how is that relationship?
1: Um, Panos basically um, tries to sell our stories to magazines in. Europe, um, there's, um, there's a, there's a market you could say of, you know, of, of for, for stories that were shot in America. Um, and it would be really hard for us to do that. Like, I don't even know how you would do it. I think a lot of people now work with agents. Um, I've heard that for us, Panos is a place where we put our stories and then, you know, usually they, they sell them, sometimes they don't. Um sometimes we get jobs from them, but you know, it's 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 not like, you know, we're not getting all these jobs from them. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works yeah. now. I think you have to find out your own stuff, you know? And agencies can help you get work and they can help you sell your stories, but um, the majority of what we do and, and, and how we work, we are generating it, you know. So, um, are you also negotiating a lot of work-
0: like sales to the magazines, <sighs> other magazines for your projects, like domestically, maybe? Um,
1: yeah, we are. With, with With some stuff, we are. Um, you know, the way I feel like it's going now, I don't know. I'm just talking to uh, you know for myself and and Ivan. It's almost like, you know, a lot of the time we spend writing grants and trying to get money this way. Um, and then maybe putting like our money of our own pocket to like go and do this story that you, you know, feel very passionate about or like feel like it's going to like, you know, um, just go somewhere. And then you try to sell it. Or then, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and that's not always the case, but it seems like, you know, there's a lot of grants right now. There's a lot of, um, especially for women, for, for women of color. Yeah. So, um, I think that's kind of where it's all going, you know, and, and and I think that's a good thing. (laughs) I think it's, it's a good thing that you, you know, you can get funding for your projects and maybe have a little bit more freedom to, you know, um, take, take as much time as you think you need and like, you know, I don't know. It's difficult. You know, I don't have the answer for freelance work. It's so, it's so complicated and everybody has their own, I'm sure everybody has their own method of how they're making it. You know, I mean, a lot of people do commercial work and that's how they fund their other stuff. Um, You
0: mentioned grants when you first started applying to them, were you successful or did it take time for you to understand like the world of grant writing and how to.
1: It's so hard. I'm still trying to learn it. It's very complicated. You know, it's like writing a thesis or something. You're like, oh, my God. And then you don't get it. You're like, oh, my God. You know, I spent so much time. It's like, but, you know, it's good. It's good because grants help you think about why you're doing things and, like, organize your ideas. Sometimes it's better to, like, you know, have a timeline and like sort of like a budget, you know what I mean? It's like, it's good. It's good to have all these like things, you know, kind of organized, like have your ideas organized on paper, you know, to like, and then once you do one, you can use, if you don't get it, then you just use whatever you research to apply for the next next one. So, Like um, if you
0: don't win the grant, do you contact them and ask them, you know, what about my application that I what can you give me feedback?
1: People they, you they usually write write you and tell you you know, they tell you what happened or why you didn't get it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I've never really contacted them. I don't I don't remember doing that. Um, maybe I should have. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I've
0: done a fair amount <sighs> mi- a fair amount of a uh, research and and grant writing and in grad school it was kind of like a side project of mine just so I could pay for school uh-huh. and. That, uh-huh. that was one of the, the uh, encouragements that I got as, is like, if you don't get a grant, you can, you can actually call them beforehand uh, and they'll answer questions like that, that, that aren't really on the application process. And then you could also contact them right. afterwards and say, uh, can you give me any feedback? You know, what about my application? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause sometimes it's like the deadline or, It's uh, it's the format of the submission uh, because they have like specific rounds, and it's really, it's intentional that way because they do get so many applications and they want to cut it down. So it's just, it's a strange world, but the the common theme is like, don't give up and be consistent and
1: um, continue
0: to apply. And you know, I I've gotten a couple of little ones, but you know, it's just I'm not as consistent in the application process, but I've read a lot of, I'll, right. I'll send you a book, uh, a title of a book. That, yeah, I, that's, I, awesome. <laughs> I
1: that's yeah, it's, awesome. It's
0: really fascinating because it gives you exercises on like how to see your work. And uh, you like, uh-huh. you you ask people who are photographers and you ask people who are not photographers and they give you rhetoric, like wording uh-huh. that you would never have um, thought to have given to the description of your work. So it's really fascinating and yeah, right. it's very helpful. I'll, I'll send you the link.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome because, you know, I, I feel like in college there should be like a grand writing oh, yeah. class. We you know we never had that. We never had that. It's like basic, you know, like basic to like survive <laughs> like any kind of like freelance work, you know, um, and and uh, you know last last time we like we were going to write a grant we were thinking about hiring somebody that is a professional grant yeah. writer because you know what i mean they just have yeah. the language to do this kind of stuff you you might have all the ideas and all like the, you know you you see your work and you understand but it's so hard yeah. to like put it in words and make it sound like coherent and like, you know. You can also,
0: there's the, the, I don't know if you've ever done it before, but uh, applying for grants that are meant for uh, 501c3s. And they, and if you find a nonprofit that accepts uh, the collaboration of an independent artist, you can use them as your proxy. They'll apply for the grant they'll take a percentage, but then give you the majority of it. And it's usually an arts organization. Um, and you're, you're agreeing to like do an exhibition with the work that you create from the grant. And it's, there's always like logistics for that, but they will be the ones that apply for you. So you, you could go to them and say, we want to apply for this grant. Um, but it's, uh, we need help with it. And they do the majority of the footwork, which is why they take a certain percentage, but that's also something you should consider. Like if Uh there's, um, nonprofits, which are 501c3s, if there are some that you're, that you've worked with in the past, then if you see grants that are strictly just for them, you can approach them and say, Hey, would you like, would you be interested in applying, uh, for this grant on our behalf? And then, um, discussed like the logistics of it but they always take care of the majority of the steps of grant writing which so that's another option yeah
1: Uh that's cool yeah thank you so
0: um i want to talk about runa photos can you explain to the listeners what a collective is and how it can benefit a solo photographer how does it benefit all of you and in comparison to just working independently
1: so we started Runa, um, the the reason why it started is because we wanted to enter a contest uh, on, it, it was like POY Latin America, I think, and you could, and you know, I've been working with Ivan on many stories, and when you send things for contests, it's like, yeah, you send your stuff, but it's so much more complete when you can have the other, the others, you know, the other part of the story. It's like, I love how our stories look together because they feel more complete. And I can edit my own stuff, and that's fine. But it was kind of sad that we couldn't enter together. And so there was, like, a, the con, one of the rules was that you could enter if you were in a collective. So we created this collective so that we could, you know, pretty much send our, our stuff together for this contest. And then, um, so it was funny. It was just kind of like, okay, you know, the collective of both of us, you know, and then um, – I think like a year later or something like that. Um, oh, also it was so that we could like put our stuff, like our joint stories somewhere. Um, so we made like a web page where we could have like our stuff and that way the stories were complete. So, um, after a while, this guy contacted us, this Ecuadorian photographer, and, like, he was super insistent, you know, like, can I come to you guys' house, and can I talk to you, can you guys help me edit, and we're, like, okay. So, one day, I'm, like, Ivan, this guy's coming over, like, he's, like, who, you know, I'm, like, this guy, I don't even know who he is, but he's been, like, super insistent, and, like, this and that, and I was, like, okay. So, um Misha comes, and, like, shows us this project that he had been doing on It was, like, on on Witch Doctors in in Quito, in the Andes. And it, like, blew our mind, like, just everything about it. Like, he was so original in, like, his approach and, like, his photographs. And, like, we were just, like, wow, who is this guy, you know? So it was amazing, like, to have Misha come and, like, show us his stuff, kind of, like, open our brains, you know, to, like, this, like, different way of doing things, like, oh, my God, like, this guy, you know, this, this younger photographer, like, he he really had a, uh, you know, he was very determined, and he was very, you know, um, he was a, a very talented, so we decided to invite him into Bruna, and, you know, Misha came along, and um, basically, like, I think, for us it's always been i don't know how most collective works because you'll hear different things from many collectives basically for us it was like our own like little group of people that we could show stuff to and like get comments and like you know start like little projects together and like just kind of share you know because when you are when you're on staff at like a place at a newspaper, at a magazine, you have your, you know, you have your, your group of people like, like your support system, yeah. you know, that, you know, you're all photo geeks. You all talk photography all day. You know, you, you see each other's stuff. You help each other edit. You know, when you go out into the freelance world, you're on your own. And sometimes it's, it's very lonely. And like, you know, you get, depressed because you don't have work and like you know it's nice to just become like you know a little collective of people who think like you who you admire you know like we really admire Misha's work so it was nice to be you know to see his stuff to like help him edit like beautiful photographs you know um and then Raul came along later like maybe like two years later same thing we had this workshop in in Quito and um there was this guy who we we had to look at portfolios to accept people into this workshop, and I remember seeing these pictures, this black and white pictures, and they were just like above, like so above like anything I had seen. It was like, "Oh my God, who's this guy? He should give it be given the workshop like he's so amazing and so he came he came from Colombia. Like, he made the the journey from Colombia to Quito to, like, attend our workshop. We're like, oh, my God, what? This is crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, you know, after the workshop and after seeing him work and, like, he was just, he, you know, he's he's an amazing photographer. He's a, he's a great person. We're like, oh, my God, Raul needs to be in Runa. So we asked him and, like, you know, he was happy to be in Runa. And it's been, you know, it's been difficult because we're all – in different, in different countries. So, um, you know, we try to Skype at least at least once a month, we try to Skype and just kind of show each other stuff. And, um, you know, we, we play a lot with our Instagram and, um, we started this thing called Runa Flirts. So Runa Flirts is, you know, you, you hashtag Runa Flirts in your photos. And then at first we were choosing pictures, just kind of like a call and response kind of thing, like pictures that kind of just all visual, like, you know, like like how do you respond to the last picture kind of thing? And we would edit the photos that people had hashtagged and like add those to our feed. And then um we started like inviting people to curate our feed and like do whatever they want with the runa flirt. So it became this thing. It was like really fun. Like we had like I don't know how many like runa Flirt tags, like like mm-hmm. a lot. Um yeah, it was it, it was very, very cool. Like just to see that people were getting into it and that people were hashtagging and the the people who were asked to edit, they would edit amazingly beautiful, like and you know, it's it's just kind of like a project that like, you know, we've talked about it, like, where does it go, you know? And I don't think it goes anywhere. I think that's it's life was there. Instagram is what it was. You know, it's like we see so many images, we're like so saturated yeah. with images, you know, it's like um yeah and there, and a lot of times like like there is no it's like why you know why how what is what are you saying with this or like what are you trying to accomplish or this and that and like sometimes it's just visuals just sometimes it's just like a visual like you know mm-hmm. exercise that doesn't need to go any other place you know yeah um I've, so I've seen,
0: yeah so I've, you know with um with, yeah, go ahead. with instagram it's, I've noticed that a lot of photographers are posting there more than on their website.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, in- Instagram has, like, changed the, the game a little bit. Um, you know, I remember, like, it used to be so rigid. Like, don't post anything. Like, if you had a website, like only the best of the best of the best pictures like you know you want to make sure you're pro- and, and I agree with that still you know I think you should always show your best stuff but it kind of loosened up a little bit you know it's like you, you know you can play a little bit everything doesn't always have to be like perfect or have a reason or be a social cause mm-hmm. or like you know what I mean it's like it's it kind of became a little more loose I feel and Instagram stories is even more loose you know I love Instagram stories because it's almost like people relax to the point of just doing whatever, you know, like, like, when would you ever think of like writing on your yeah. picture? It's I know. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. How did you do that? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God, like what? So I love that. You know, I love that about like just the times we're living right now, like how it's all there are there are rules. But the, the, the rules are not like they used to be like. It's not as rigid. It's not. As black and white you know it's like it's all kind of shifting a little bit and I think it's I think we need that because people need to, to be more real maybe people need to have an opinion people need to have you know the freedom to like be like this is me and like I'm not going to hide it to, to appear the most professional person in the yeah. world. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm a person and like, this is what it is. And like, you know, I have kids. I post pictures of my kids. If you know, people don't like it, don't follow me. Yeah. I don't care. But that's, that's my daily life. You know, that's what I see every day. And like, I see all these beautiful moments happening in front of me all the time. And I'm not photographing my kids all day. Cause you know, that's just not yeah. what I want to do. But if it happens and I'm there and I have something beautiful, I'm gonna post it. There's there's a uh, there's a uh, an Instagram account. It's called uh, Bone Tired Mama. I don't what know, know if you've seen it. And um, Bone Tired Mama. And that's
0: mothers posting yeah. photos of their kids.
1: But she's they're pretty big. It's it's um it's a couple. Let me just check it out real quick. Hold on a second. It's a couple who um. You know they 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 bring their their kids to their shoots and they you know their um Marvi Lacar is her name and let's see anyway they're they're very famous they're very big Benjamin Lowy is her husband and um I love it because there's you know they are she's always it's not even just her photos it's like, she posts like quotes from her kids. And like, it's like real, it's like, there are, you know, there are a lot of families out there that like, you know what I mean? That like, before it's like, don't even tell anybody that you have kids or that you have any plans or of of being a mom, because that means that you're not completely serious about your, your profession, you know? Yeah. And it's BS. It's like, who, who decided that? Like, why Why is that like why does one have to like negate the other you know it's like why can't there be like successful professional women who have families and so like to me to see her post and like to you know just it's so beautiful that she has beautiful pictures and like it's so fun and it's authentic you know and it's like real people like doing this super creative things you know when before it was like oh no no yeah don't you know don't admit to anything don't admit you want to be a normal person like you know you're only about photographs so that's it you know so that's kind of being nice <laughs> just to like you know see it all like kind of loosen up a little bit and like everybody you know kind of chill about this or that and like you know start being real about what your life is and you know I love I love being a mom but I also want to still work and do my thing so like why can't I do both and at, or at least try and like, you know, maybe I'll fail, but at least I'm going to give it my best shot, yeah. you know?
0: So do you, are you capturing more with cell phones or is it even with a DSLR?
1: You know, it's mostly cell phones right now. Um, if we're shooting something, then I'll shoot for, with my camera, with my regular camera, but mm-hmm. um you know, it's just everyday life. It's just, it seems like your cell phone is, has become like the extension of like everybody's brains and hands, <laughs> like, you know, um, it's just yeah. easier.
0: Do you, when you're working with your, with your digital camera, do you feel like people behave differently because it's a camera? Whereas if you had a cell phone, they would, they're with the they're kind of become desensitized to, to cell phones in society. So if you bring a camera, they're like, they, they they act differently. Does that ever happen to you? You know, I think if
1: you want to do like street photography, um, I mean, I don't even know if that's true, but I, I'm just thinking like for something like street photography, you know, yeah, your phone will be a more discreet way to shoot something and people have, you know, Everybody has a phone. Everybody's taking pictures all the time. So you're just one more. It's not like, ooh, that must be a photographer taking, you know what I mean? Um, But if you're shooting a story where, like, you have, um, like, a relationship with your subject and you've already, like, done all the work to, like, get into their, you know, their space and their life, and, like, I don't think it matters, you know? It's like, I guess we've been doing it for Mm -hmm. so long. It's just what we do, you know? It's like... If I'm shooting something that's, that's very important to me, or, you know, I'm commissioned to shoot something, I will for sure shoot with my camera for sure. You know, cause I have lenses, so I have options and yeah. like, I'm so comfortable with my, I'm more comfortable with my camera than with my cell phone. With my cell phone, I like miss stuff and there's a lag and like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's just like kind wow. of fun stuff, you know, but like if I'm working yeah. I will for sure work with my camera because that's just, you know, I've done it for so many years and I know how to, I know how to get people kind of like at ease with me and my, you know what I mean? I'm not in their face, like firing away, you know, like there's, it's just like, everybody has their own way of doing it, you know? And yeah, it's just easier for me. It's easier to shoot with a camera for sure.
0: So, are you still working on the project Eva? And how did this project on dementia come about?
1: Eva is one of the projects that I kind of put on hold because I, well, I was I was shooting it, and then um, I got this crazy job um, shooting in the Latino community in in the U.S. for Nat Geo, and that took all of my time, my energy, my brain power, my everything. And you know those. It's funny because you shoot maybe for like two or three months, but it feels like it drags on for like a year. You know, it's just like there's so much about it. Like it's just so it's so long until it gets published. Until you know, it's 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 a really long long process. So I kind of put Eva on the side, you know, and then I had a baby, and it was just you know, there's no way I could I could do it when you know. Yeah, Ayuma was super, super small. Um, I have gone to visit her like here and there. Um, you know, she's she's in a place, she's in a home right now, and she's she's getting worse and worse. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's really sad. Um, you know, this whole I think for me, like when I move, you know, we lived in Ecuador for twelve years, and then we moved to the states like three years ago. And that transition was brutal for me. Like, I I still, like, feel it. Like, it just, like, shook me to the core, you know, because I've always loved Ecuador. I've always loved being in South America. And it was time for Ivan to be home. And, like, you know, I had to make that compromise with him. And, like, it was his time to be here. And and his parents are here. And um, it was just very, very difficult for me to transition you know, I had like I had my like like I said, I had this crazy, amazing support system in Ecuador of all this photographer friends that I've known through the years. And like that was all gone. Like it was it was very intense for oh, me to like, yeah, come here. And like I didn't know anybody like we didn't get any work because nobody knew us. So we had to start from zero. And that was I was, like, almost not willing to start from zero. It was very hard for me, you know. I was, like, I don't even have time to start from zero, you know. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And, and, you know, everything about here, like, it was so expensive. Like, life is so expensive, you know, here. Mm-hmm. It's, like, I was, I had culture shock, you know. I was, like, oh, my God. Like, I just want to go back home, you know. And um, Ivan was, was trying to get work. He was going out. And I was home with with my boy, with... With Nawe for you know, like I was home with him a lot, and I was starting to go a little nuts, you know. I was super depressed. I didn't have work. I had nothing that I wanted to do. And and right as we moved into this house that we still live in now, my cat goes missing. Like my cat that I've had for like eleven years, and like we brought her from Ecuador. We brought uh, two cats and a dog. So one of the cats goes missing and we live in, we live in a Canyon. So everybody's like, Oh, the coyotes must've eaten her. And I'm like, what? Like, it's just like, my world was just like, like falling apart. Like I couldn't believe I was like losing my cat. It was like one of my best friends, you know, I was like, Oh my God. So um, I started looking for her and somebody told me that they had seen their, seen her in their garden So I started going to this garden every day looking for my cat and that's where Eva lives in this house. Um, And, you know, I never found my cat. My cat was gone forever, but um, yeah, it was terrible. But I met Eva and like every time I went, it was like, it was like this crazy, like I, I would like step into her alternate reality, you know, because she already had dementia and, but it was still not that, I mean, it was pretty bad, but like, we could have conversations, and like, you know, I told her, like, you know, I would love to come and, and, and visit you, and, and like, photograph your life, you know, and I like, should always laugh, like, why would you want to photograph my life, like, you know, and I was like, you know, Eva, like, a lot of people, like, suffer from what you're suffering, and it's just nice to give it a face, and like, she has always been so kind to me, like, such, such an amazing person, and every time, you know, I had to, Asked her so many times because she would forget and every time I would get there it was like here we go again you know and then um we became like really good friends and like she you know she allowed me to come and, and visit her and like just photograph her daily life and then you know all these things happened in her life she was like she was kind of tricked into going into a home um yeah, yeah it was horrible like I learned a lot about like Just the health system here and like it's all kind of twisted and and wrong, you know, like and she has no family, so like it was almost like this random person was making this like life changing decisions for her, like somebody who, who, you know, um was appointed to her to take care of her money. Anyway, it was it was very heartbreaking. And she went to this first place where like people treated her really badly and like it's interesting. It's like, who puts up these homes and, like, who checks, you know? And, like, a lot of, like, a lot of people get abused in these places, you know? Especially people who have dementia. Yeah. Like, who's ever going to believe them anything? You know what I mean? It's like, nobody's even asking them. Like, it was just so crazy, like, to see that, you know? It was like, oh, my God. Um. So, yeah, Eva was very interesting to me, you know? It was, like, my way to get out of my head you know, and, like, get out of the house, and she was a neighbor, so, like, it was nice, because I could just leave for, like, hours here and there, and, like, um, you know, it became my project, and I don't think I'm done with it, you know, um, that's one of the things that I need to finish, or sometimes I feel like, like, I don't know, maybe I am done, like, that's the thing with stories, you know, you can always keep coming back, and keep coming back, and it's just, yeah. like, kind of never-ending, <laughs>
0: You know, there's. Um, do you watch TV much? I don't know your mom. Do you have time to no. watch TV? <laughs> Not um, really. A little well, if bit. You ever, if you ever do, there's, uh, there's. A, it's on Hulu. It's called Castle Rock. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if it's a. Uh, Stephen King, but uh, there's an episode in it where Sissy Spacek, she her character has dementia, and the the episode goes real deep into how her mind thinks. I think it's episode seven and it's called the queen. And it was just beautiful. It was a real, I I found it beautiful because like my dad had Alzheimer's. So Mm. like I really connected with, with the way the storytelling went and how she, she's able to remain in the present through these chess pieces and, um, Wow. but it's just it watching it makes makes your mind uh question what time you're watching and it's just a beautiful way of of telling the viewer what it's like to have this disease and I just uh. yeah just i've never I, I watch like a lot of sci-fi and i've never seen someone uh direct and and edit and tell that story in that one Episode so well, like it, no, nothing I've ever seen has ever come close to what maybe like my dad was was thinking or, or how it was for him, and it's it's it makes you anxious. It gives you anxiety watching because mm-hmm. of the anxiety with that character. So if you do have time, yeah. I would recommend. Yeah, that, that I'll episode. check
1: it out. That's, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's crazy, like. Just watching somebody, like, lose their speech, like, oh. when they can't find the words. Oh, my God. I used to get, like, that used to make me really, like, angsty, you know, because I would, we would try to have a conversation. And I've never had anybody have dementia or Alzheimer's in my family. So my grandma had a little bit of dementia, like, towards the end of her life. but Yeah. You know, it was never like she didn't know who I was like that never happened to us, you know. So um, and she could always talk to us. It was there was that wasn't it either. Was She forgot she forgot stuff. And, you know, anyway, but with Eva, it was just so crazy how she could not find the words. And she would tell me like the word is in my head, but I can't get it out like I can't not. And, like, it would frustrate her so much because she was, like, she used to be a, a therapist and, like, you know, she was, like, super active in her community and, you know, all of a sudden, like, she can't even have a conversation. And now, the last time, the last time I went to talk to her, she can't even talk anymore. Like, Oh, my God. She, yeah, it's really sad. It's, like, it's seeing how somebody gets trapped inside, you know, and there's nothing you can do to help them out. Like, how do you help them out? Like, I, I would think of things with Eva. I was like, Eva, should we, should we write things down? Like, but no, it's like, she couldn't even, she couldn't even write anymore. Like,
0: wow.
1: it's crazy. It's crazy what happens to your brain, you know? And like, it's scary to me. Um, It was like looking at this in the face and going like, Oh my God, you know, this is like, this is something that could happen to us, you know, like just yeah. how, you get trapped inside your head and like, you know, you're still there. Like what part of you is still there? You know, like, I don't know. It's very interesting to me. And like everything that has to do with like, um, you know, mental health issues. Like, it's like, wow, I don't think um, we understand it yet. You know, there's so much that we don't know of how our brains work.
0: I think we were, we were getting close to like starting the process before I think it was the Reagan administration closed a lot uh-huh. of the, the mental health facilities because I, at that point, right. I think we were taking it seriously. And then when they just opened the doors and let everyone out, that's when it, there was just like, it just stopped. Like there was no more interest. <laughs> there's still interest, but there's no like government funding interest. Making headway, right. and um, right now it's what gun control is now a mental health issue, and that's how they're going to uh, look at it. But I think right it, we're, we we shot ourselves in the foot by by stopping that that innovative way of, of looking at mental health, and now we have to start all over again.
1: Yeah, yeah. I you know I read this article about how they think um, they see links on like. How what how your brain responds to music, like that you used to listen to, and like it, it, it helps a lot of patients remember things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, wow, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know. Like our brains are so, like to me, it's just like this unknown still, you know, of of what what sets them off, like why
0: mm-hmm.
1: why why does that happen to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: So. One more question. Um, You'll be participating in Women Photograph later this year. Can you discuss what this organization is and how you got involved with it?
1: Uh, Women Photograph is pretty much like a collective of women from around the world. Anybody can be in it. If you're a professional photographer, you can be a part of it. You kind of have to like ask if you can be in it and you'll probably get in it's like um anybody who wants to be in it who is a photographer and i see it as a great resource um they have a face we have a facebook page and like you know every day there's questions there's questions there's questions and like it's so honest and so um generous like the information between women like given to each other on like everything you can think of you know like from like what equipment to how much do I charge to what do I do in the situation to like harassment to like anything and like there's there's like young photographers older photographers so there's this like it's become this like beautiful community of like like women just helping each other you know and like talking about it like you know it's like things are coming out that never did before. And it's, it's so good that finally there's this dialogue, you know, and that people are not afraid to ask. And like the whole me too movement, like totally pushed, pushed everything forward. You know, it was like, finally, like, you know, people are speaking up. People are talking about like, you know, discrimination and like sexual harassment. It's like, can you believe (laughs) like everything that came out? Yeah. It's outrageous. It's out of control. Like, how bad it was. It's like everybody knew about it, but like I didn't know, I didn't realize it was that complicated and like, you know, a given that like, you know, to get to some places or to some like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just crazy. Like like to me, it was like an eye opener. Like, wow, I can't believe it was, it was happening to so many women, you know, like people that I knew in the business. And like, it's just like, oh my God, this has, has really it's like a change. Like I said, there's like a shift. I feel like there's a shift in our time, you know, of like everything, all this paradigm was like, like start falling, you know, all this like power structures start like falling. And like, all of a sudden you realize that you can like, you know, go together instead of like always trying to fight every each other, you know, like yeah. competition and this and that. And like, you know what? Like we're stronger when we're together. I feel like it's like, This like sisterhood that has happened. And like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really about like feminism, you know, I, I I don't, I don't believe in like one is like better than the other. You know what I mean? Like I, I work with my husband and like he's an amazing human being and like, I love him and like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to become like, Oh, only women. And like, you know, sometimes in those forums like there's some girls that are like you know they they hired a guy to go and shoot like like you know um I don't even know what it was it was something about women in Alaska or something like that and it was like why would they send the guy and everybody was so mad until somebody finally said like what's wrong with that it's like what is wrong with that? You know what I mean? It's like it's not that if you're a guy, you cannot shoot women, or like the other way around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of becomes a thing, and like I don't agree with that. You know, it's like I don't think it should be like that. I think yes, like like we need to like push women and like empower women, but like you know, every every extreme is not good. I I don't think so. But to me, like, the dialogue that has happened and, like, the way, like, women, like, share so much information, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, that to me is beautiful because I've never seen that before. Yeah. And I think that the people who started this, like, I don't even know if they realized how w- the good that they were doing, you know, like, in, like, bringing people together and, like, just kind of, like, you know, watching out uh, for each other and like, and, like, making sure that you're not taking a- – they're not going to take advantage of you and, like – I think that's very important. I think we should get together and not just women with women, but like everything, you know, like we need to like, we need to start like getting together and like, just, you know, kind of like pushing for what you believe in and like, you know, not try to do it all on your own or like, you know, not think that like, Oh, you know, I can't, I can't, I don't want somebody taking my work or my jobs or whatever, you know, just like, opening your mind into like what you can do together because it's it it can be so much bigger you know it's like I remember somebody asked me one time like how can you work with your husband like how can you like share a byline or like you know like it's like how can you how can you do it or like oh my god like you know so and so he would never do that with me because he likes his his work to just be his own or like you know and it's like I can see that. But like when you work with somebody else and you share that responsibility, it's so nice. It's so nice to have the feedback. It's so nice to have like another point of view, you know, and like me and Ivan were so different. It's like, he is, you know, he, he grew up in LA. I grew up in South America. It's like, we have such different points of views. And like, it's beautiful to just like connect like that, you know? And I think we need to connect with others, you know, in other places, like, to become like stronger in what we want to say, because sometimes on your own, it kind of gets lost, you know, it doesn't have the same power.
0: Yeah. I think the industry um, was, was pretty much taking advantage of that uh, competition. So uh, competition with amongst each other. And, and so we, we didn't form like communities and camaraderies together because we were so competitive with each other. And now, right now it's more like let's support and uplift each other. and, and mm. that's bringing, bringing all of those things to the forefront um, with, like, sexual harassment and discrimination that everyone just accepted, you know. They didn't talk right. about it. They didn't want to risk their jobs to report it. And now it,
1: exactly. it's, like,
0: it's it's like it's okay to do it because they're, it's not acceptable anymore. And, yeah, I think it all started with that Harvey Weinstein, Me Too, mm-hmm. yeah. That documentary's on Hulu right now. It's really it's very Oh really yeah, it's fascinating. Ooh. And it's got it's got his victims actually speaking and being in front of the camera and it's nothing new uh that wasn't said in all yeah. the stories, but you get to hear their words and you get to hear their stories from them. And I think that's like one of the most important parts of it to like see them talk about oh. it and to not to not hide from it. And to be, or to be afraid, because uh-huh. there was there was threat, there were threats. There was like he would hire people to threaten them, and yeah, so, uh-huh. so it's different now. Yeah, with the, especially with with the groupings. Um, I do have one more question. If you have a minute, do you still have time? Sure. Um, your your hotel project. It's it's a, it feels more fine art than documentary, <laughs> and I, I was curious. Like, how did this come about? Was it a commission? Was it just for fun? Uh, which one are you talking about? Uh, oh, is there more than one hotel?
1: <laughs> oh, maybe. Which one are you, are you thinking? Did you see it in my yeah. website? Yeah. Okay, let me just <laughs> check it out. Um, <laughs> we have, yeah, we we did... Um, hold on one second. Let me just check it out. We did a project with, you know, with, when we... Okay, so when we traveled through South America, and even before we went to that long journey. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's another one. You know, that was commissioned by the city. Um, it was part of a workshop that we did. So Runa did a workshop in Quito, and the workshop was for us to teach people how our how we worked, like how our creative process happened, and, you know, more than the people, like, shooting, even though we did have everybody shooting, because we're like, what? We have to have everybody shoot. But the the people who hired us wanted us to um, create content for them because they were going to have a they you know they did like a like a huge exhibit in the city with like all kinds of projects of that people did at workshops and they blew uh, photos like humongous it was really cool it was this big thing that um, I don't know if you know who Pablo Corral is. He um He's a photographer He's an Ecuadorian photographer He worked for Nat Geo And um, he was the Secretary of Culture For Quito For the past maybe like I don't know if it's four years Or longer than four years And so he gave so much You know of a push to photography And I mean all the other arts were pissed Because he was like Determined you know And good for him Because it had never been done Like there was you know it was the first time that a, a photographer, probably the Secretary of Culture, and so he had so many people come and give workshops and and create content and um shoot the city and shoot the people, and he did all kinds of books and exhibits and shows. So we were part of that at the beginning, and this was, we wanted to document three, like, three very different streets in Quito but like that kind of tell like a, a big story about the city so um yeah our street was like kind of the commercial street where like all the big hotels are and like it's it's kind of like um kind of like expensive um five star hotels so that's that's where that came from and it was fun for me because it was very graphic the way you know it's just like shoot like just crazy things (laughs) that I found in hotels. I went to all these hotels. Um, so yeah, that was fun. But there was another project that we used to call it hotel series. And, you know, we traveled for so long and I, we would stay at all these crazy hotels and we would take pictures of each other in hotel rooms. And, um, we had a show about it like one time in Ecuador. It was pretty, it was pretty ballsy. We were just talking about it last night with with Ivan. I'm like, oh my god, we're so crazy! I can't believe we we show that because you know there's like yeah. nudes and like it's just really funky, like you know, yeah, young kids photography. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but that's not on the website. <laughs> I think it's on your
0: Instagram. <laughs> maybe possibly well 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 thank you for for speaking with me today i hope you had fun and that the listeners are inspired by your perspective and your work um before we say goodbye can you let everyone know where they can see your work instagram website vimeo um
1: yeah i have i have um a lot of stories on my website it's com, and then um i have an instagram um at k c h e t e yeah is that right k g a c h e t e (laughs) 77 sorry it's it's in in spanish it makes sense because like it's cachete cachete 77 is like Ah. cheeks cachete because you know people call me cheeks sometimes so um (laughs) ivan calls me cheeks so I i have cheeks of chubby cheeks. So um it kind of makes sense, but in English it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that's where I where, that's where I have most of my work for now. Okay. And then and then we also have a we also have a, a our collective has an, a website. It's runaphotos.org. And um yeah, you know the these two guys, Raul and Misha, they have they have very interesting approaches and styles in photography. So yeah, be cool to check cool. that out all right
0: well thank you for all the time that you gave me today
1: (laughs) thank you that was yeah that was fun it was really fun talking to you
0: all right well take care bye all righty
1: you too bye-bye
0: thank you for listening to this episode of color and photography Follow us on Instagram at Color and Photography to see some of the images we refer to in this podcast. And of course, subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes and interviews on the diversity and uniqueness of photography from the past and the present. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy Santos with music by Stefan Bode.